Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, this is Stefan Gonick, and these are our live uh, monthly QA calls to answer any questions you have about your healing process, about dating, about being in a relationship everything under that topic and <clears throat> we've got people <coughs> excuse me who are uh, with us live and i've also have a couple of email questions sent to me in advance and i think one of the people who sent me an email question is live as well so uh if at, at any point you would like to ask a question or make a comment then click on the button to raise your hand if you're online um and if you're on the phone press start two um to raise your hand that way to let me know you want to talk you don't have to wait until i'm done talking you know and answering a given question it's actually really good if you do it you know when you know that you want to say something and then i'll call on you when i finish talking that way there won't be a gap in between people so <clears throat> you know if any of you want to you know raise your hand now that's great if you are uh if you have uh, one of the people who sent in a question uh, in advance, please raise your hand now because I'd like to read your question and then we can discuss, right? Rather than just me read the question and answer it and it's over. So there's somebody whose first name begins with the letter F as in Frank. And all right. Hi there. Hi, Hi. is this who I think it is? Yeah. Okay, good. I don't use people's names just in case they don't want me to use their names. So some people don't care and they, they go ahead and use their name, but I don't want to make any assumptions. I want to be anonymous because uh, I told a whole bunch of people about your site. So if they join, <laughs> I don't want them to know my personal stuff. Okay. That's totally understandable. And thank you very much for telling people about my site. Um, so you have a question here. So I'm going to start by reading it and then uh, I'll go ahead and answer it, but also, you know, we can talk about it. So here we go. Um, I'm continuing to tap on various issues of mine. I suspect that one of the reasons why my true twin flame is not show, shown up yet might be because I have inner conflicts around having children. On the one hand, I love babies and long after having one or two myself. On the other hand, I'm tired of becoming a mother for several reasons. I grew up severely neglected and abused. I was a parentified child. Uh, my parents thought that I existed to take care of their needs, and there's no one there to take care of mine, which is what, for those of you who don't know, that's what it, it means to be a parentified child. That you're, As a child, you're sort of taking the parental role instead of your parents taking care of you. Um, let's see. I was exploited and treated as a slave with no rights of my own. I was dehumanized. De uh, Today, I still struggle to take care of myself, even though I'm trying to learn how to do it. I've also been struggling with various health problems since childhood, and they, and they got worse and worse over time. One of my health problems is chronic fatigue. I have a tiny portion of the energy that normal people have. So my fear is that I won't be able to be a good mother to my children because of my health problems, that I will fail them somehow and let them down, not because I don't care about them or don't love them. I'm quite confident in my ability to be loving and kind and accepting of them, but because of my physical, cognitive, and other health limitations. I just currently don't have the health to show up as a normal parent. Um, I've been searching for ways of healing, but there seems to be no quick fixes for my health problems. I am, however, constantly trying different methods for healing in hopes of getting better. So I suspect that I'm keeping my true twin flame at bay in order not to risk getting pregnant and having children. Because the thought of being a bad mother and failing my children, or God forbid, having them adopted or placed in foster care because I can't take care of them is excruciating to me. I don't know if I could live with myself or ever forgive myself if that happened. It's like I can't allow love in because I'm so afraid of ending up as a bad parent. I feel stuck regarding this and don't know what to do about it. How can I allow love in despite these fears and challenges? 
Um, so first I just want to mention for everybody that it is very possible to have um, a big overriding fear that can block us. Right? It can be a single fear if it's big enough, intense enough, that can block us from getting what we want. Um, it can also be several fears, right? Uh, so phase two is all about you know getting in touch with and clearing all these fears. So this would be an example of a phase two fear. But the point I'm trying to make is that a, 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 sometimes it just takes one fear to be a gigantic block. Um, and that could very well be the case here. So um, so one, there's a few things I would like to say about this, um, especially because I'm a pretty new parent myself. My wife and I have uh, two-year-old twins. And I'm 66. So, you know, I don't have the energy of a 20-something or a 30-something or even a 40-something. <laughs> so it's, it's tiring. You know, it's very tiring. Um, especially with twins, I have to say. Having twins is... Having twins is like having three kids. Stefan, I have a phobia of having twins. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's very unlikely actually. We actually did it on purpose because we used in vitro fertilization and we had the choice of implanting one embryo or two embryos. And we, we chose to have two because we knew this was a one-time, a one-shot deal. So, yeah. you know, we'd either have one kid or we'd have two kids. Mm -hmm. And we thought in the long run, it'd be better for them to have two kids. Yeah. But it'd be uh, more challenging for us. And we were right on both counts. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, it's, it's an understandable fear. But there's some really great things that you may be missing in all this. One is that um, you are going to be much more loving than your parents were. Right? Your parents yeah. were abusive and, yeah. and not loving and all these horrible things. Mm -hmm. You will be a loving parent. Yes. Yeah. And that is the most important factor. You know, think of it this way. Imagine a energetic, physically healthy, non-loving mother and a low energy with health struggles, loving mother. Who do you think is going to be a better parent? Low energy loving. I had a super vital narcissistic mother, so I saw that. I lived it. Yes. So, um fact that um, you're going to be a loving mother is the most important thing. And the other thing is, is that these health problems you're dealing with come from your childhood. Yes, wounds. they do. So as you continue to heal them in the program and any other way, and I'm talking about emotionally heal them, not looking for you know, supplements or medication or whatever, but just as you continue to heal this stuff, what you'll discover over time is gradually your health issues will get better and better. Um, you know, if you came to me not looking to find your soulmate, not worried about children, but just simply saying, I have chronic fatigue, can you help me? I would say, sure. And the way I would do it is we would do a family history and look for the biggest wounds, the ones that are you've suffered from the most growing up, and then we would heal them all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once we address them sufficiently, you're chronic fatigue symptoms would get better and better. Okay. And you're doing that for another reason, to heal your love life. Mm -hmm. But the things, you know, you, to heal your love life, you're healing a lot of your biggest wounds. Yeah. And they're going to affect your health. Okay. The, the only tricky thing that you that may be a challenge here for you is that, you know, the program is not designed to work on traumatic memories. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice that I think somebody in the program brought up a traumatic memory. And I said, you know, this is not the place for that. Um, so you may need some additional help to do, to deal with some of the trauma, okay. traumatic memories. Um, you know, I encourage you to do, uh, you know, a few one-on-one -on -one sessions to address those. Mm -hmm. Um, and you'll probably need to do those to really get the maximum healing for your health issues, but everything else you're doing is going to help your health issues. So ultimately you're going to be in a much better place. But then I come back to yet again, the most important thing is being a loving parent. Um, and you'll also find that you have, you'll, when you have a baby, um, you'll have more energy. Like for instance, when I'm, even a mother with normal energy levels and health and all that, when she gets a cold, she still takes care of her baby, mm -hmm. right? We, we just get the energy we need because we have to.
So I think you'll discover if you have a child that you'll have more energy than you're expecting to have. Okay, I hope so. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to do, you know, everything in my power. Uh, I'm doing like, um, you know, like physical healing, emotional healing, like, yeah, you know, physical therapy. Like I'm doing everything in my power to to gain health. It's just that yeah. it hasn't been easy and like the progress has been super slow. And like my worst fear after surviving my childhood is that I would harm my children, which is like the last thing I would want to do. Sure. You know, I think you're going to be okay. That's the thing. The, that's the hope I'm trying to give you. That you're going to be okay. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, you're very welcome. And um, I think, and just to clarify, I think you'll be okay. The fact that you'll be a loving parent means you'll be that you'll be giving your ch child or children what they need. And uh, and again, all this healing work you're doing is going to ultimately improve your health a lot. Thank you very much, Stefan. You're very, very welcome. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and mute you. <laughs> I muted myself by accident. Okay, um, so anyways, for the rest of you who are online, if you want to ask a question or make a comment, uh, if you're on the phone, star two. If you're online, there's a button that you press to raise your hand. And then I will go ahead and call you. In the meantime, I do have a another question mailed in. But I gotta let you know, I only have one more question. It's a bit of a long one, but that's it. After I answer the, this next email question, it'll be up to you guys online to um, or live. I mean, to uh, you know, ask more questions. If you want, there's also a chat. Well, the per, you know, people on the phone can't access the chat, but the people online can if you want to. Um, and ask your questions that way. Uh, the only thing, if you're going to use the chat, I just ask you to type in one word, hit the send button, so I know that you're in the process of typing a question. So you might just type the word question, say, or even just the letter Q, <laughs> and submit it, and then go ahead and ask, type your question so I know that a question is coming. Um, so anyway, since nobody else has raised their hand at this point, I'm going to go ahead and answer this next question. So... Um, this question says, I met an incredible woman recently at a health and fitness retreat. We spent a few wonderful days together after the event. However, on the last day, it became clear that she's not, that she is not as into me as I am into her. Uh, turns out she's in love with a guy uh, she's in a polyamorous relationship with. So for those of you who don't know what polyamorous relationship means, that means it's a... Uh, polyamorous person is somebody who wants to be in it's like what we used to call an open relationship only it's more um thoughtful right so open a polyamorous relationship means it's everything's above board everybody agrees that they're going to be in multiple relationships they even meet the other partners you know the, the goal the, the the concept is that you know we're capable of loving more than one person at one time and you know, that the, the highest form of love is to, to go ahead and do that. Like the more you love, the more you can love. And the usual setup though, is that you have a primary partner and one or more secondary partners. Um, so anyway, this woman that he met is in a polyamorous relationship with a man. Um, and so she goes on to say, I have rated this woman according to my um, partner vision list. And she scored 98% of what I was looking for on my list. And he had 45 items on his list. And he said, uh, looking only at women I've actually met and pursued, that's an upgrade from the 86% with the last woman. Monumental. This means that this woman is totally someone I'd marry and happily spend the rest of my life with. And that's confirming how I felt about her and how I feel when I'm with her. Since the retreat, I've been very happy, much less afraid, more expressive, and confident. I am loving life right now. Um, I actually cut out a lot of the questions because it was a few pages long. Um, what, he, what, what The part I cut out was that he realized that, you know, since she was in a relationship, she didn't really want to be in a polyamorous relationship. Is that her boyfriend wanted it, so she went along with it. 
so basically he felt like it was her issues of her own thing about being with an unavailable guy that was stopping her from being available to him. And since he recognized it was her issue, he didn't feel rejected and, and like it was a problem with him. So he was feeling good about himself. And he says, now I want to share this with you because I'm sure you'll agree that this is a big deal. She's the first woman I've ever met where I know down to the core that she could be the love of my life. But it, but it hasn't panned out so far. So here comes the question. So that's all the background. Can I expect to meet many more amazing women like her who qualify by scoring at least 90% of my partner vision? If and when I meet such high quality women who are also attracted to me, can I still expect things to get in the way and prevent a happily ever after? Or will those failures be related to blocks I've yet to resolve? Is it possible or likely that I made some big mistake while dating her that killed her sexual attraction for me as opposed to a general mismatch? Uh, and he lists some possibilities. I'm thinking of one, changing my plan. I'm thinking of you know, one thing he might have done to mess things up was changing his plans and staying with her after the event instead of going back home and having her visit him. Or two, the conversation the second day where she, like my ex-girlfriend, noted that I seemed to have some unresolved feelings of resentment towards my mother. Um, that's actually, that's actually when I feel like I won't get laid or three, is it not as complicated and it's not working out because she's attracted to the wrong men, i.e. men like her dad. You suggest I keep in touch with her, make an effort to win her over. What would you recommend I do? All right. So, so, uh, what I would, so first of all, that's great that you met someone who met 98%, you know, match 98% of all the things you're looking for, and not just on paper that it felt really good being with her. Sometimes we'll, we'll meet somebody where they match on paper, you know, intellectually, or, you know, we can recognize that they match all these things in our list, and yet being with them for some reason just isn't that enjoyable, doesn't flow, whatever. But in your case, it felt wonderful, and she matched everything looking for. So congratulations on that. That really is a big deal. And I would point out that she wasn't available. So to whatever extent you have issues around unavailable women, I don't remember, I know you've asked questions on various uh, calls, but I don't remember if one of your issues is unavailable women or not. But if it is, then take note that she's unavailable and also take note that she live, lives far away. Both of those would be signs of unavailability. Um, so I would, in order to not reach, so that could, that could potentially be a block that needs to be more fully healed. I mean, you must have successfully done a lot of really good healing to find a woman who matches what you're looking for so well. Now, I have a video called The Three Phases of Dating, Making Sense of the Madness, where I talk about, um, you know, phase one, two, and three. And just anybody who hasn't watched that video, I highly recommend watching it. Um, but phase one is where we all start, where we're, you know, we have all the blocks, right? Attracted to the wrong people, too scared to be with the right person. Um, when you heal the, you know, the negative attraction pattern thing, you enter phase two. So you're no longer attracted to the wrong people, but you're still too scared to be with the right person. And then I, I spend most of the video breaking down phase two, because there's kind of like sub phases within phase two. And one of the last phases within phase two is I talk about having healed enough that you can get really close to what you want, but there's a fatal flaw that prevents it from working out. So that represents being far along into through phase two, but not quite all the way through it, where it's exactly this. The person you're with seems to have you know everything you want or nearly everything you want, super close to what you want, ideally, but a fatal flaw, like in this case, she's not really available, right? And uh, the distance that she lived may have also been a big issue. So anyway, my biggest advice to you is to look for any place around you know, being attracted to unavailable people and uh, finish your healing on that. So that would be the big thing. Um, I don't think the other possibilities you mentioned um, I mean, I would I would certainly address the unre unresolved feelings of resentment towards your mother. I think that's going to be a good period. 
you know, if people are noticing it's present, that means it's pretty present, right? So you're going to definitely want to heal that. Because that it's not that that would prevent you from being with your ideal partner, but it would it's baggage that you would carry into your relationship that could uh, be a problem in that relationship. Because in whatever way you had resentment towards your mom, um, that would make you extra sensitive to anything that reminds you what your mom did, and it would make you overreactive to what your mom to to that, and so it can cause issues in your in your ultimate relationships. So I would definitely encourage you to heal that. Um, oh, do I suggest you keep in touch with her? No, because she's not available. So if you keep in touch with her, I mean, you can do what you want, of course. You can make your own decisions. But my, uh, my recommendation would, would be to let her go and look forward to meeting somebody equally good, only also available. That's what I So I wouldn't make an effort to win her over. She remember, she'll remember you. Um, and But you see, look, if she's got an issue of unavailable men to the point where she's in a relationship with a man who wants to be with other women that she doesn't really want, but she's going along with it, she probably has a lot of healing to do. You know, that's a big issue. Um, you know, if she was to do the program, she can get through it relatively quickly. But without doing that, she could be stuck there for years. So she knows you're available. That might inspire her to uh, work on it. But she'll, you know, she, if she has your contact information, she'll she'll look you up when and if she's ready. Okay, so that was the end of the email questions so it's up to you guys who are with me live if anybody has any questions please ask it now it's okay the you know the first person if you know wait a minute but if nobody asks raises their hand feel free actually go ahead and raise your hand if you have another question now wait i'll wait a minute to see if anybody else has a question and if they don't i'll go ahead and do it okay good so we have a new person okay you're on Hi, Stefan. Oh, hey. Hi. Um, my question is that um, I never meet uh, women who I'm really, really, uh, like the previous caller said, I've never met anybody who I knew 100% I wanted to be with. It was never even close. Okay. And I'm not quite sure what's happening and why that is and how to address it. Um, well, what is your experience so far instead of that? My experience has been lots of dating with women uh, and being with them for some time, even just because it's better than being alone, but knowing all the while that they weren't really for me. And then it tends, I tend to break it off. Okay. Did, were they also matching negative patterns? Um, mm, there, were, there were quite a few who, who didn't, who were quite, it was quite positive relationship, but it just wasn't, the real sparkle wasn't there. Okay, so they weren't negative partners, but you were just missing the excitement that you're looking for. Yeah, like they were I just, like they were good people, good women, but not great. Is it is it kind of like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that would be a classic phase two experience, meaning that your fears and negative beliefs are holding you back from being with an exciting partner. That's that's exactly what I did for years. Um, you know, is it the first, you know, when I was working with my therapist, it, it took, he, in, uh, he was able to help me break out of my negative attraction patterns after working with him for three years, um, which I was thrilled about. Uh, but then I had, you know, long list of fears and negative beliefs that took me many years to clear out. And in the meantime, I did exactly what you said. I would meet, I would get together with women that were nice. They were good. But they weren't really what I was ultimately looking for. And I wasn't excited about them. But at least I had a girlfriend. It was the same scenario. Mm -hmm. And the thing that changed that for me was continue to work through my fears and negative beliefs. Because <clears throat> what would happen, it was very obvious to me. I would go to a party or some kind of group event. And I'd scan, as a, you know, when I was in between relationships, and I'd scan the, the group. And there's usually one woman at this group event that was really interesting. Not just good looking, but, you know, I'd be watching, observing her for a while and how she was interacting with people. I just, there's something about her energy that's 
was really appealing and I liked the way she interacted with people. It, it just, you know, you know, I didn't know her from a distance, but she was kind of exciting from a distance potentially, right? And then I would keep scanning the room and I see this other woman that seemed nice. Um, they might be equally visually good looking, say, but I didn't find the second woman exciting, but she seemed nice, right? But my fears and negative beliefs made it impossible for me to go talk to the woman that I thought was potentially very exciting. But I felt very comfortable talking to the woman who seemed nice because I wasn't excited by her. So the stakes didn't feel very high. She wasn't that scary to me. And so I'd be, I'd go talk to her. I'd be feeling comfortable and confident. And lots of times the woman wouldn't like me. Uh, but I knew from the first minute that I wasn't interested in her in a big way. But because I didn't have, you know, I wanted a girlfriend, I would keep talking to her and lots of times. And plus, it, it would feel good to me feeling her interest. Because it would address some of my insecure feelings, right? Yeah. And so I'd be kind of feeding off of her interest in me. And she definitely was nice, you know. And we'd get together and be together a year or something like that. And eventually, we'd end it. But I knew from day one, from the day I met her, that I wasn't that interested. Um, so I think you're, that's, you know, I think where you're at is similar to where I was at. It sounds exactly where I'm at, yeah. Yeah. So it's all about fears and negative beliefs. Because it's not that exciting women don't exist. It's that if you're, if you're too scared or intimidated or discouraged because of your negative beliefs to even try talking to her, then you'll never be in a relationship with a woman you're excited about. Yeah. That's one scenario. What about another scenario in which I mean, I you know, I go to gatherings or whatever, and uh, I, I don't even see anybody that I'm remotely interested in. Um, I guess I would challenge that, but I mean that can certainly happen. I mean, you can be in a gathering where there's no. It depends how big it is. You know, if there's like ten women, then sure, you can be at a, a gathering where you don't find any of the ten women interesting. Um, if it's a bigger gathering, though, I would I would challenge that. So I think anytime there's a group of 30 or more, you're likely of women, right? Not just people. Um, you're likely to find at least one woman really interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you another story that uh, was made a profound impact on me really long time ago in my 20s. I had this. I was I went I was going to uh, school at the University of California, Berkeley. It was one of the most interesting schools, universities, and places to live. It was really interesting people. You know, it's like one of the meccas in the United States for interesting people. And I love living there, right? And I had this good friend at the time, a woman named Weiju, who was a very interesting woman herself. She was one of my closest friends. And one day we were walking on the street in Berkeley, the town of Berkeley. And she says, she goes, Stefan, there's, there's no interesting men in Berkeley. And it's like, what? <laughs> There's probably more interesting men in Berkeley than any place in the country, right? So I said that to her. And she goes, nah, nah, there's no interesting men in Berkeley. And I was just, you know, we, I argued with her for a while, but she, her mind was made up. That same weekend, we went to a party together. And I decided to observe her at the party. And what I observed was fascinating. This was before I had any trained psychology, but I could still tell what was going on. And what I was, what I could tell right off the bat is that she was sending out "keep away from me" vibes. You know, she was sending out these vibes of "stay away from me." And the men in the at the party it was a mixture. I see about a fifty-fifty mixture of really interesting, cool guys, and not very interesting guys. Kind of regular guys. The interesting guys could pick up, picked up on her energy of "stay away from me," and they honored it. It's like, okay, you want me to stay away from you? I'll stay away from you. The other guys were insensitive to that. All they saw was an attractive woman, so they went to talk to her. At the end of the party, I said, so, how was the party? She goes, she goes, the only guys I talked to all night long were jerks. I told you there's no interesting men at this, in, in Berkeley. But her, her energy was filtering out the interesting guys. So she, she couldn't perceive them, and she was keeping them away from her with her, with her energy. And uh, only the guys, the kind of guys that she would never be interested in, talk to her because they were disregarding her, her vibes. And so she filtered out all the good ones. <laughs> and so I pointed that out to her. So it's, 
it's amazing how powerful we are. So if if we're too scared or too dis, you know, negative beliefs are discouraging, right? They make it feel hopeless, make things feel hopeless. You know, my negative belief was a woman that I am super interested in couldn't possibly be interested in me. You know, how hopeless is that? <laughs> right? There's no way anything could happen with that belief. Um, though I was still able to perceive women from a distance, but there's just I, there's no way I could go talk to them. <clears throat> but in her case, it was she she was so discouraged that she it prevented her from even perceiving the interesting guys that are around her. So I don't know if that's going on for you or not, but it's something to keep in mind. Um, but just the the general thing of our fears and negative beliefs preventing us from being with our ideal partner is a very powerful thing. And like I mentioned for the first person, it, it, can, it, can, it can just take one. If it's intense enough, it just takes one fear or negative belief that can completely prevent us from being with a, an exciting partner. So that's what I suspect is going on for you. What, if, if I can ask, which belief did you have to heal? The, uh, what incidents in your childhood did you have to heal the, to get rid of that belief that any woman who's interested in, who I'm interested in can't be possibly interested in me. Um, well, there's a whole bunch, right? That didn't come from a single experience. It, I would have healed it a lot faster if it had. Oh. So I, was, I had to chip away at that one. You know, it, it came from a deep down feeling of not being good enough. Romantically. I felt very confident in other parts of my life, like in my school and career. I've always done very well in both of those areas of my life. So if you were to meet me outside the romantic arena, you would you would have seen me as a confident person. But when it came to my romantic life, there's this part of me that deep down didn't feel good enough, which is where that negatively came from, right? If I don't feel good enough, then of course, any woman I was super interested in couldn't possibly be interested in me. But there was multiple experiences that contributed to me not feeling good enough. So I had to like, address them all and the feeling of not being good enough gradually improved it wasn't a heal this experience and boom and now i feel good enough so um you know the the places to look in our childhood just generally speaking is if we had a, a non-loving or non-available parent so a parent could be loving but unavailable like lots of times a lot of people will have a father who when he's there is loving but he's not there very much Right, because he's busy with work or, or traveling or whatever, you know, just he's not very available. And kids interpret that as meaning I'm not good enough. Right. So an unavailable parent and either emotionally or situationally can cause us to not feel good enough. A parent who gets really angry and yells at us a lot can do it because when a parent yells at us in great anger, the underlying message, regardless of what they're saying while they're yelling, the underlying message is, you're not okay with me. So there's that. Or a critical and judgmental parent. When they're criticizing us, they're explicitly saying, that party is not okay. <laughs> this party is not okay. This other party is not okay. And that happens long enough, and often enough, and eventually we just start feeling pretty generally not okay. So those three kinds of experiences uh, can create that. Uh, there is another one. This is more specialized. If we have a parent who has a victim mentality, because when they have, when we have a parent with a victim mentality, their unspoken message is you're hurting me, right? If you're not taking care of me, you're hurting me. And then that makes us feel like a bad child, right? Like a bad son or bad daughter. Um, and that can make us feel not okay about ourselves. Romantic context. That was one of mine. I had a victim, my, my mother had a victim mentality. Um, so you, had to, you have to just find, figure it out what, what the sources are for you that makes you feel bad about yourself. Then heal those. But that's the negative belief thing, right? That, does, that doesn't address the fear thing. So for instance, one of my big fears that I had to address is, you know, I really wanted to meet my life partner and get married. But I had a big fear about marriage. So it wasn't about my partner per se, but it was about what happened when I got married. I had this fear that the second I got married on my wedding day, you know, as soon as I was married, um, I would lose all independence. And 
I would be I would be completely controlled by my wife. Not that my wife would be controlling, but that I would feel like I had to do whatever she wanted me to do, and I have to stop doing anything she didn't want me to do. She wouldn't be in complete control, which is not a very appealing prospect for a marriage. And so, you know, when you think about it, the final destination is marriage, which which triggered that fear. So if I met somebody who was super amazing up front, um, that would be really scary because down the road I'd have to I'd run into that fear. So even though the marriage fear you would think doesn't show up at the beginning, it only shows up you know, way down the road when you're considering getting married, but it actually did show up at the beginning because if somebody was super amazing, that means there could be a way down the road, you know, of getting married. And so I it would be intimidating me at at the meeting point right not that i was consciously aware of it but that was it was present right at the beginning so is that enough to tap on a, uh on the direct directly on the limiting field did you have to go back and type on uh, tap on childhood memories well i didn't tap on anything because i didn't know tapping back no. then and my therapist didn't use tapping um so what we worked on slowly and gradually because we're doing regular therapy which is very slow and gradual spanning years is <clears throat> address that issue where i felt like uh, you know i'd have to do whatever my wife wanted and not do whatever she didn't want and work through the sources of that in childhood and just you know again it was all about chipping away at my fears and negative beliefs because i didn't have eft it was a very slow and gradual process that took you know many many years to work through mm -hmm. One of the reasons why it's so exciting to help people do it quickly, right? So it didn't have to take many, many years for people, you know, just months instead of years. So, um, but that's what I did. You know, I just chipped away at the experiences I had that made me feel like I, I had to do whatever my partner wanted, you know, which came from stuff with my mom, mm -hmm. partially her victim stuff, actually. It's, if, I've, if I've got this fear of being too old, generally, for a relationship uh, is that something that needs to be addressed directly or is that a, just a symptom could that be a symptom of an underlying unresolved childhood trauma well, how, how old are you 54. ah that's when i met my wife when i was 54. Oh. i met her and married her when i was 54. Hmm. So i met her just i started dating her a month after i was 54 and i married her while i was still 54. <laughs> oh. uh, 54 is far from being too old. My mother married her third husband at 71. <laughs> so no, there's no age limit, but, it, but that's an easily tappable fear. Yeah. All you have to do is just tap on the fear and then look for counter examples like me and my mother, Maybe two counter examples, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure there's plenty others you can find. I just say, even though I'm afraid that I'm too old, to meet my partner, get married. I, de I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. I like being anyway in some in this kind of self-doubting kind of fears. Um, and then just keep tapping on, I'm afraid I'm too old, afraid I'm too old, afraid I'm too old. Do like, I don't know, six or eight rounds of that. And then start thinking of counterexamples. You know, Stefan met his wife when he was 54 and his mother met her third husband when she was 71. and and uh, and just start mentioning other examples too and i bet you can clear that one in one tapping session okay yeah um so let me uh, I, the other person raise their hand let me give her a chance to ask her question and if you still have more questions feel free to raise your hand again okay thanks very much yeah you're very welcome Hi, okay, Sue, so, yes, Hi. your next question. Yes, uh, so my patterns um, aren't only playing out romantically, but everywhere in my life. And I have had this uh, repeating pattern many, many times uh, that I'm actually dealing with right now. Uh, it's people, I attract people who are like actors. They pretend to be good people. And then at some point in the relationship, and sometimes this point can be like a year and a half or seven months or several years uh, later, when they think that they've got me or that I give them some form of validation that they're safe in the relationship, 
they turn and they, be uh-huh. they become very vicious and start abusing me and things like that. And at that point, I leave them. And this has happened over and over again. And so I'm dealing with a relationship right now and I'm working through everything that's coming up. And I just want to know, like, you know, I have done the breakthrough program. I have tapped on everything at least three, four times. And I'm thinking about going through the program again. I'm doing the fearless dating program every week. I'm tapping on it. I'm also uh, doing this self-love to uh, soulmate program uh, regularly, bit by bit. And I have also started doing the behavior manifestation pro- uh, process li- little by little. Um, so I'm doing everything um, and this is happening and I'm working through it um, because I'm realizing that this is just repeating a pattern uh, you know, that I have been dealing with my entire life. And so my fear now is, even though I'm clearing the negative emotions that are coming up and, and fears and stuff like that, how can I make sure that, for instance, I start date, let's say I start dating a, a guy, and this fear is like in my mind, what if he's one of them? What if he will turn on you? This is like, yeah, I have a fear that once we get married, he will turn you know, vicious on me. And this is related to this pattern. So how can I, is there a way for me to make sure that he's not vicious before like I get into a committed relationship with him? How can I protect myself against this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Excuse me. I understand what you're saying. Um, First, let me just ask you a question. Mm -hmm. When they turn vicious, do they act vicious in a way that's similar to what you experienced growing up? Yes. Okay, so that confirms what I was thinking. So I think what's going on here, so what's going on here mm-hmm. is many people experience this, not just you, know, yeah. where the person that they get together with seems good mm-hmm. initially, right? And then at some point down the road, all these negative things show up that is just like how they were treated as a child. So it's shocking, but it's also not surprising because it's, it's still an example of living out the negative attraction pattern. You know, whether or not they start that way from the very beginning or it shows up later, that means that's still who they were, right? Yes. But, but the thing so, is different that they are so good um, actors that... I understand. I understand. I, I'll, so I'll explain it. I totally get it. So um, I hear that from everybody I work with is, you know, I'll, you know, we will like when I get a brand new client. They'll say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, first I'll help them identify their negative attraction patterns. And then the first thing they'll say to me, once we've identified them, they'll say, well, but how do I know at the beginning? Because they don't act like that when I first meet them. When mm-hmm. I first meet them, they act wonderfully, right? They're, they're, they love bomb me and they treat me really well. Da, 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 da. It's only months down the road that they show me that you know, they have the negative trait. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then what I tell those people is that even though they're not overtly acting that way, there are subtle cues that you're picking up on subconsciously that they have that trait. And that ultimately, you know, it will show up, mm-hmm. right? And so sadly, what that means when that keeps happening is that you haven't yet broken out of the negative attraction pattern. But what is it? Because I have been, you know, I tapped through the entire program and I'm tapping. Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you in your case. Yeah. I can tell you in your case. Okay. You need to heal the traumas. And what do you mean by that? Like specific traumas like my whole childhood is like traumas. <laughs> like... that's just it you had some really big traumas and the program is not sufficient to heal trauma traumatic experiences so is- it's not to say you can't make a lot of progress but i said it earlier i said it earlier when i answered your first question <laughs> is that the program is not designed or sufficient to heal traumatic experiences so you have you had a mixture of traumatic experiences and painful but not traumatic experiences, right? Not yes, yes. trauma. The program was sufficient to help you heal all of your non-traumatic experiences, but it wasn't sufficient to heal your traumatic ones. And um, how, how can I like? Okay, so so like the tapping program isn't enough to heal the, the tra- traumas. Exactly. Yeah. It isn't. No, and I say that in the program itself, and I've mentioned it on these calls a number of times. It's, it's you know, to heal a trauma, um, 
you have to do that in a one-on-one -on -one session. It's, it's not something you can do on your own, tap it along to some other person's memory or something like that. Like, what is what the program is? It's, it's, it's just not a sufficient healing process to address a trauma. Okay, so so I have like I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD. So like the traumas I have are like uh, huge amounts, and yeah. also uh, one of my problems is that I suffered a lot of memory loss. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff that I can't even remember. I just see the effects on my life now. So like so for instance like when I when I identify this pattern, I'm trying to think of like uh, specific memories from my childhood, and it's difficult to identify in this case. In some other patterns, I can. Uh, yeah. In this case, I can't remember like where did that happen, so so that I can even like work on it. So what I do is that I work on what is happening now. Uh, um, so how 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 can you heal from you know, if things, you, things you don't remember. Yeah, things you don't remember, and like if you have a whole bunch, like like your yeah. entire childhood was one big. <coughs> yes. <coughs> Excuse me a second. <coughs> Get some water. <coughs> That's a common experience what you described, and in my experience, when you. See, there's usually what, what happens in these situations is that there's a lot you don't remember, but there are things you do remember. So it's mixed, yeah. right? It's not, like, it's not like you remember anything. Yeah. There's a lot of holes, but there's still things you do remember. Mm -hmm. And so my experience is that when you heal the first trauma, so the reason we block stuff out is because that part of us, the part of us, you can, <clears throat> there's this idea of working with parts. Yeah. All that means, right, is that there's, there's, when we have a, a painful experience, all the way up to traumatic experience, there's like a part, there's this part that holds that experience. Yes. Right? And we also have defense mechanisms and ways that we survive, you know, ways that we survive. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the common ones is to block it out, right? So that's why we don't remember a lot of things from childhood is that we're trying to protect ourselves, take care of ourselves, right, to survive. So we block things out. But when you heal a trauma that you do remember, these other parts that are in hiding go, oh, help is available and healing is possible. And they start raising their hand. They go, oh, oh, heal me next, heal me next. And and what I mean by that is, they, is you start remembering stuff. Mm -hmm. Because... You don't need to, to block it out to survive anymore because healing is now available and possible. In fact, you probably already noticed that just doing the program. Yes. As you work yeah. the memory, new oh. memories came yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the traumatic ones probably didn't that much because they're at a whole other level. Mm -hmm. So those parts are going, no, 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 no. It's still not safe. Mm -hmm. It's not safe for me to come out because this kind yeah. of healing process is not is not enough support. I need greater support than that. So the good news is that you've already made a lot of progress. The bad news is that I think to 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 fully change what you're experiencing, you got to heal these traumas. Um, and and the, and they're going to have to be done one on one, not through a program like mine yeah. or any other. You know, self healing. The thing is, like, I would love to do that. Like, for me, I'm on, like, I'm on sick leave because of my health problems. So my finances are limited. So that's yeah. another problem for me. Like, how can I afford it? I, if I have so much trauma and I have such limited um, funds, how am I going to be able to do that? So that's another, like, issue of mine. Like, if it was very limited, then, you know, I, I could, uh, you know, go. To go ahead with it, but if it's like a lot, then I'm afraid, like, how, how am I going to be able to do it financially? Yes, that's, unfortunately, that's a common problem as well. So, um, the, the thing that you can do is do it 
it's spread out the sessions very far, like one a month. And you try and be very um, strategic in which trauma you heal. So, for instance, if the way you're being treated by your, you know, your latest partner reminds you is very similar to the way you were treated as a child, and it's and it's connected to a particular trauma, then it becomes clear that that's the trauma you want to target, right? Because that's the one that seems to be showing up in your relationships. So it's not that you have to heal all the traumas from your childhood, but just, you know, particular ones that are the ones that keep showing up in your life. Um, okay. Like, like my, my traumas are, like, incredibly severe. Like, I was almost killed. I fled yeah. for my life. Yes. So... But that one may or may not be what's showing up in your relationships. Okay. That's the, that's the good thing. I mean, ideally, we, we would heal all of our traumas because it would, it would just make our life that much better. But I understand the practicality of not having that, uh, you know, having limited finances. So that's why I'm saying you want to be strategic. You want to pick the traumas that are showing up in your relationships. And there may not be that many. I mean, maybe you have you only have one or two or, or maybe three. We don't usually... Ha- have that many you know that many different kinds of experiences that keep repeating for some reason just the way our psyche works is we tend we tend to have one two or three repeating experiences um in our relationships i mean we, we may have more than that beyond our relationships you know my work or whatever <clears throat> but in our relationships it tends to be just one two or three so the cool thing is is that that means there's not not that many to address Like Like how many, have you noticed how many experiences that you have in your relationships that keep repeating, you know, painful things? I think that there are tons of them that have happened in my relationships, tons and tons of different patterns, but I have been working so hard to heal. And I have made uh, progress on, uh, you know, some of them. For instance, I have attracted new people in my life where I'm getting positive uh, experiences that I haven't had in the past. So, for instance, I used to be in groups where I was. Uh, so hold, hold on one sec. One sec. We're I only we only have uh, about six minutes left in the call. In your current relationship, the 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 most painful thing that he's doing is what? What is he doing? Uh, the, uh, this is not the man. This is someone else. But it's the same that I have had uh, in uh, romantically and in other relationships. So Which the person um, was abusing their power, uh, lying to others. Uh, uh, so abusing me and then lying to others. About abu- abusing, they- the word abusing is a very general word. Um, we have to be more specific. And exactly what is he doing that's, that's abusing you? Uh, emotional and verbal abuse, being disrespectful. More, spe- more specific than that, yeah. And um, lying um to other sources about what has been happening uh, in this okay but, but i want to go back to the way you feel like he's abusing you verbally and emotionally so i want you but you need to be more specific. manipulative uh, manipulative uh, okay. lying uh abusing their power over me uh trying to control me and uh you know keep other people uh, away from what is happening like hiding like the, the this abuse behind closed doors and then um like um lying to other uh, other sources outside of our relationship and trying to make me look like the abuser while it was the opposite what was happening uh, okay so do like any of those outside. remind you do any of those specific things remind you of traumas from your childhood Yeah, my, my both my parents abused their power over me. Both of them are lying and manipulative, deceitful people. Both of them have no interest in truth. Uh, they okay. have no integrity, none of that. So in that sense, yes, that's what my parents were. Okay. So um, <clears throat> so, so well, anyway, so the, you you. you so the good news, even though you felt like there was a lot of different things there, mm-hmm. that wasn't actually very many things. It was controlling, lying, 
um, well, uh, manipulative, but the, the, if you were to focus on the controlling, mm -hmm. you'd get a, a lot of mileage out of that one. And I think I did that in, in the program. So I was so surprised because as I was tapping through the program, different patterns were coming up with different people. And then this relationship uh, blew up. Uh, unexpectedly when I was trying to take my power back because I realized that you have uh, that I have been giving my power away so I started stepping up and taking my power back and speaking Good. and all of that and then um, this uh, person just um, tried to make life help for me and started lying outside to other outside sources and I and and okay, I okay so let me tell you since yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off again there's only two we only have two minutes left yeah. okay the first, so I think it's awesome that you were trying to take your power back. Mm -hmm. So the first step, and that's the first step, right? Is I'm with somebody who's trying to control me and I'm going to try and take my power back. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very growthful to do that, but it'll never go well because the other person is going to escalate. They don't want you to take your power back. They want to control you, right? They're a controlling person. That's who mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. And they don't like the fact that you're trying to take your power back, right? Yeah. The ultimate solution with somebody like that is to break break it up, break it off, right? To get out of the relationship. And that's what I did. And that's then the, which is, you know, yeah. Which which is progress on your part. And then the ultimate solution is to not get involved with somebody like that. Exactly. Right? So um see when if we have traumatic abuse, one element of traumatic abuse a child is always powerlessness yeah. in the child, right? So even though you've been trying to address your parents being controlling of you in non-traumatic examples of it, which has led to progress, has led to you step standing up for yourself and trying to take your power back, things like mm -hmm. that. If you don't heal the traumatic uh, examples of you being powerless, the it's hard to totally break it free from that attraction. The thing is that I don't have the memories of that. I don't have the memories of that from my childhood. Any traumatic memory has that element in it. All traumatic memories have the element. In it. So if you just, all you have to do is pick one that you do remember. So in this case, it doesn't have to be that specific because that's every single traumatic memory has that as part of it. It's what makes it traumatic, actually. Part of the definition of trauma. Of trauma feeling completely overwhelmed and helpless so um if i was so for instance if i was to help you i would say you know come to the first session with any traumatic memory we're going to heal that one and we'll address the powerlessness part of the experience I do, really I do think about that because uh, I really have a hard time remembering specifically. Like, well, I understand, but I bet you can. I bet you can remember one. I'd have to you not sit and think about it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can, you can think about it. But if you come from a traumatic background, that which sounds like you did. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm sure if you sit with it, you'll be able to think of at least one traumatic memory. And if we heal that, we will be addressing the controlling part and the powerlessness part of it all. Mm -hmm. And that'll help heal your attraction, <clears throat> your attraction to controlling people mm -hmm. um, a lot more thoroughly. It sounds like you partially healed it, but not fully healed it. Yes. Which makes I, sense. Yeah, given... I was thinking like, I have worked on this, this, this aspect, what is missing? You know, what, why is yeah. it Unfortunately, it's healing some traumatic memories. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, Stefan. You're very welcome. And, you know, I'm sorry you had traumatic memories, but the good news is if you heal them, and you don't heal all of them, but if you heal just even a few, they'll make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And with that, I got to sign off. So I want to thank everybody who's on the call live and I want to uh, say hi to everybody who's going to listen to this call in the recording and I'll see you all in the next live Q&A call. Bye everybody.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.